show number 75 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Seventy-five. That's a big number. Makes a girl think. It makes me think like 50 was just yesterday, but obviously it's more than that. You know what else? Yeah. We're somewhere around our second anniversary. That's true. And we don't have a butt cake. Oh, we have nothing. A butt ice cream cake. Oh. Well, we'll have to do something about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, but we will. Suggestions? Ah. Uh, people, that that's homework. What is a, a, a very inexpensive but celebratory thing we could do yeah. to commemorate two years of butt casting? Of looking at his butt. Well, we've been looking at his butt for a lot longer That's than true. Years. That's true. But doing it on the air, so to speak. Well, yes. these cookies are pretty good. Good. <laughs> glad, glad you enjoyed them. Yes, we're having cookies. Yay! And uh, we just had popcorn. Mm-hmm. With truffle salt. It was mm-hmm. really and good. butter. Really, really good. And uh, do you want to explain the technology of what we just did? <laughs> um, yes, if I don't choke on these cookies. Well, we decided um, to do something that we had actually planned to do for a really long time. So... The backstory is that um, I was a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater back in the day, and I've got way too many of them on tape. And recently, the guys behind Mystery Science Theater, primarily Mike Nelson, who was the head writer but also the star of the show for a while, and Kevin Murphy, who played Tom Servo, have been doing what is called Riff Tracks, and that's the URL that you can go to to find out about it. And what they do is um, provide an MP3 of commentary that you play um, on your computer simultaneously with the movie, and they provide some fun stuff to help you sync it up. And they tell you when to press pause and when to press play. And it's like watching Mystery Science Theater. And the reason that they're able to do this is because they don't have to get the rights to the movies. All they're doing is providing a, a commentary track. And mm-hmm. you buy them from their site, and they're not very expensive. This was like, I don't know, three bucks or something. Oh, really? That I spent okay. for it, yeah. Um, so I had found out um, a while ago that they did a commentary for Star Trek V, and I thought, well, maybe that would be funny. So that's what we just did. We, we managed to play it on the computer and sync it up with the DVD player and have it actually playing through speakers so that we could <laughs> hear it over the movie. And it worked. I was really surprised. Well, I have to tell a little about the setup. So we're trying to get this set up. And uh, Lena says, do you have some little speakers so we can hear as well? And, you know, I did have some. and So we're trying to hook them up. And, you know, okay, the first problem is hmm, the little light isn't coming on. Oh, that's because the power source is turned Always off. Always check to see if it's plugged in That's first. right. So <laughs> we conquered that. And then the wires were so tangled that we decided we had to untangle them. In the meantime, while we were doing all this, we decided we are going to test that they're working. <laughs> so Lena started playing... Well, do you still have a play for yeah. what you were playing? Oh, let's see if we can And you her. imagine us trying to untangle speaker wires with this coming out of the speakers. Hold on a second. Let me find it. Yeah, you know, I was just kind of like, uh, what can I do? Because we were playing the um, the riff tracks thing through iTunes, and I didn't want to mess it up, so I just picked an MP3 at random to start playing it. And this is what we got. And, and Music to untangle speaker wires yeah. by... very suspenseful. And it kept building. <laughs> and it kept building, because this was an extremely long piece of music. This is like almost two minutes worth of fight music. Yeah. Junk sent this to us once. That's once. Right. <laughs> So anyway, we can shut that off now. So um, anyway, that that was a part of our, our whole challenge. So it helped, though. I think it helped us get this stuff untangled. Well, 
certainly put us in the mood it's for true. jollity. So, um, I, I would say that um, that was definitely worth the money that we paid for. That was pretty funny. It was funny. We had some really good laughs in yes. it. And uh, it got us to watch Star Trek V. Uh-huh. And I had never seen Star Trek V on the DVD. Yeah. And seeing it sharp and clear made me realize it's, it really is bad. I mean... <laughs> The lighting is horrendous, and as we've talked about before, the costumes oh my are... God. Oh, They're so oh, ugly, so unflattering. Oh, they could have worn bags, and it would have looked better. Could the, those costumes made them look older, fatter, saggier. Yes. Just so unappealing in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it was a bad movie. It was. It was, it was just... Oh. It, was, it was bad, and, and you know the thing was... I couldn't even enjoy a movie like that as, like, kind of a cheesy Star Trek movie, the mm-hmm. way you can enjoy even cheesy Star Trek episodes. Right, You just right. kind of go, all right, I'm just going to accept this and go on with it, because the special effects were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. The plot was incomprehensible in places and had stuff in it that you just can't believe is happening. Like, what? What is going on here? Why are the characters acting like this? The acting was not that good. No. The direction was not that good. And... It, it had a completely unfulfilling um, result, the, the resolution of it, plus the fact that it was like two different Star Trek episodes from TOS thrown into a blender mm-hmm. to make a movie. And it, it wasn't, like you are saying, the cheesy ones, you know, you can enjoy on their cheesiness and the fact that they are still somehow within the Star Trek mm. universe. And this simply wasn't. It wasn't. Um there was so little Kirk in it. It was Shatner. That's mm. who he was playing. It was really bad. And the pl- the place where it really, really came through is um, when they're in the brig. Yes, I was. And McCoy about makes that. that makes that speech about he could no more kill his own brother than blah 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 blah. And I'm going, I'm sorry, Kirk should be saying that to McCoy. Yeah. This is, what did they switch scripts? <sighs> Use the wrong highlighter. It was very very badly done. And, you know, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, the big difference between this and a movie like, say, um, Four, which is... <laughs> I was trying to think of a movie named no, Four. No, no, no. <laughs> Star Trek Four. <laughs> okay, Voyage Home. Voyage Home, um, which is a cheesy movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got some pretty cheesy special effects, and, and the plot is kind of dumb in parts. But in that movie, everybody looked like they were having a really good time making it. Mm-hmm. And the script was tight, and things really moved along, and... Like, it had some energy to it. This movie had zero energy to it whatsoever. It just kind of, like, plotted or just oozed along. Mm -hmm. It didn't... So, if you're going to watch it, I really do have to recommend that you download the Riff Tracks. (laughs) Yeah, it was much more uh, terrible that way. Because some of the stuff they had to say was really pretty funny. We were having a good time with it. Plus, we had the entertainment of um, Jack, the official podcast dog, wrestling himself to the ground intermittently Mm -hmm. to... uh, to subdue a uh, a rawhide chew. It's true. It was very amusing. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember if they've actually done another Star Trek movie, and I'm going to go to the website okay. as we're chatting right here. I do have to mention, though, that um, there were some nice butt shots. Yes, there were nice butt shots. And at one point we were noticing that Shatner looks a good 15, 20 years younger than mm-hmm. Nimoy and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Generations. Oh, we got to watch that sometime then. Uh, should, yeah, it's three bucks for Okay, movies, okay, so. we got to do that one. Yeah. Wow, they have a lot of movies now. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they've been churning them out quite so uh, 
quickly. They've done some um, TV shows as well. They have uh, a couple episodes of um, Heroes and Lost. Oh, and Flux. Ugh. <laughs> oh, they have six. See, they do have six. It wasn't my imagination. Oh, they have Undiscovered Country. Yeah, so we could definitely watch that. They Now, they don't just do these kinds of movies. They also do movies like Troll 2 <laughs> and Battlefield Earth and Daredevil, which I actually saw them do live, which was the funniest thing ever. That was high hilarious. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, wow. Some of these would be very, very funny to watch. Star Trek episode, uh, Star Wars episode one. Halloween, Top Gun, X Men, <laughs> Cocktail. Okay, Cocktail. I gotta say, it's a movie that sucks, but it has a great soundtrack collection. That is true. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Okay. Great. So uh, there's definitely a few more. We could do um, Generations, and we could do um, Six. Also. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. So uh, we'll do that, and we encourage you all to do the same mm-hmm. and see if you enjoy it as much. You know, you for three bucks, you really can't go wrong. You can watch it over and over again, as many times as you like. <laughs> Not that we're recommending buying the DVD of Star Trek V. Yeah, you might want to get that from Netflix or Blockbuster yeah, or somebody. Yeah, I really recommend that for yeah, anybody. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised I have that one. That must have been a gift. You think it was a gift? I didn't give it to you. <laughs> I know you didn't. <laughs> I claim no responsibility for that at all. Probably from some thoughtful, loving person who didn't know any better. That's true. And and we all know who that is. I know. <laughs> You know? He tries, yes. But um, this was fun. I'm glad we finally got around to doing it, and the, the, the riff tracks was was very funny. It had some great comments. I, it was true. They, they they were pretty mean to Shatner, I have to say, but that's, yes. that's okay. Yes, they were. Um, but they also got in some really good cracks at Star Trek fandom, which I thought was <laughs> fan quite boy porn. Fanboy porn. Yeah. Quite, quite appropriate. Yeah, and, you know, watching this, I was really thinking... Um, I, I mean, I, I respect Bill a lot as an actor, and I've seen him do wonderful things. But it, it, it <laughs> he really, he really needs a director, yeah, to to bring out the best in him and to to rein him in where he needs to be reined in. Yeah, and I think um, he's probably a pretty good director when he's not directing himself. If he's just directing mm-hmm. other people and not having to involve himself in the acting portion, that's probably okay. But the combination of him on both sides of the camera, I think, is very yeah. bad. So let's talk about the pivotal um, Spock McCoy pain scene. Oh, yes. Um, for those of you who don't know the movie, it's very strange. It's like Cybok, <laughs> you know, you could pay for years and years and years of therapy to get to your core problem, but all you have to do is tell it to Cybok mm-hmm. and, and you're cured. So um, that's his whole thing share your pain with me. And So he's pretty much doing that by like um, a Vulcan mind meld, I'm assuming. S- sort of, yeah. We never saw him actually do the touching, but sure looks like it. But I think anyway, that's what he's doing. Um, so McCoy's pain is that his father was very, very old and and dying and in great pain, and so McCoy uh, euthanized him. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, they discovered a cure, <laughs> and he could have saved him. And then uh, Spock's pain is that... Um, he's born. He's born, <laughs> yeah. And his father looks at him and says, Ugh, he looks human, boy. So, uh, and then Kirk, of course, being Kirk, refuses to mm-hmm. this because he needs his pain. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that was very Kirkish. Mm-hmm. But I, I was struck watching this by, okay, so McCoy and Spock's core pain was both having to do with mm-hmm. their fathers. Mm-hmm. 
with the relationship there or actions taken or not taken. So, what would Kirk's have been? I have no idea what it could be. I mean, i got to think it's something to do with a woman, because everything in Kirk's life is to do with a woman. Or a ship. Or a ship, yeah, it could be. I don't know. Maybe it was when Gary Mitchell died. You know? Well, that's what I'm thinking. There's, there, you know... I mean, he even says, what, you know, go back over all my mistakes, mm-hmm. turn right where I should have turned left or something, but what is the point of that? That yeah. makes you who you are, but I was just wondering if you thought there was some key thing in his relationship with his father or the death of his father or something, since the other two were both father-oriented. It could be, you know, they never brought that up throughout Trek. You know, the, the one time when you get a glimpse of something traumatic that happened in his past is um, Conscience of the King. Right. And that was apparently a very traumatic thing that mm-hmm. happened when he was just a young boy and he saw this genocide down on a planet. But it's not the kind of pain that he carries around inside that he can never deal with. And the pain he had like that that he couldn't deal with, we saw an obsession. Exactly, and he dealt with it, and yeah. then it was over. So, I mean, who knows what could be underneath there that we don't know about, but Kirk never strikes me as someone who has sort of unexamined angst that he's carrying around in a little bag, mm-hmm. you know, that he pulls out when it's convenient. He just... I actually think that scene where he says, where you were just saying, you know, look at all my mistakes, what's the point of that, is very Kirk-like. Mm-hmm. You know, why why bother obsessing about the past? You should be getting on with what you're doing now and just kind of moving forward into the future. That's that's Kirk, really. And probably Shatner as well, I'm Probably. Sure. Well, and and it, that, that whole thing could be a, a thing of a almost a too healthy ego. Because mm-hmm. I, at one point, <laughs> said something to someone about, I think guilt is just a wasted emotion. I just don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And, and this person said, yeah, you are the most guilt-free person ever. Simply because I never think I'm wrong. <laughs> That's probably true for me, And too. although I think... Kirk realizes he has made mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think you're right in that he, he he keeps moving forward. It's not that he doesn't learn from them or acknowledge them, mm-hmm. but like you're saying, this whole re-examination and eating yourself up over, in, certainly in the case of Spock, events you can't even control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just not like that. Um, there have been very few times in the history of Trek when we've seen Kirk be introspective and express regret about things that he's done. Mm-hmm. I'm trying right now to think of things where he's been genuinely regretful or wished he had done something different or spent some time moping about a decision that he made. Mm-hmm. And I really can't think of anything. Right, right. And and he has made mistakes. He acknowledges that. It's not that he mm-hmm. doesn't think he's ever been wrong, but he's wrong. Okay, he was wrong. Get over it. Move on. Right, right. You can't, you can't change it. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. i got to say one thing, though, which I hadn't thought about until we watched it tonight. So they're in the brig, and they're blathering on about Spock, and he can't shoot his brother and all that. And Kirk says, I know what that's like. I lost a brother, and then I got him back. And the first thing I thought of was, what about your real brother? I know, I know. Jesus, I it's mean, always just forget about that? It's been such a confusing line always because of that. You know, <sighs> if he had never had a brother... Yeah. Then, it, you know, we, we would completely understand that he's talking about Spock and how Spock died yeah. and came back and everything. But it's a confusing line because he had a real brother. And he died a horrible death and it was traumatic and they made an episode out of it. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't just like something little that happened in his past. Yeah. It was yeah. this big, horrible thing. So that that was a bad line. Very bad. Yeah. Well, it's like, 
I, I don't know, many shows ago we were talking about you write these things sometimes that sound good, but they're mm-hmm. really meaningless mm-hmm. or confusing, but they, they sound good. Yep. And that's a classic example. I think so. And maybe they were counting on the fact that, you know, some percentage of the people who are seeing this movie haven't seen that particular episode. So it didn't <laughs> who mean would anything. sit through this movie oh, if they know. had not? I don't know. <laughs> oh, what a bad movie this was. Yeah. It really was. And then, you know, it just, I, I remembered thinking this the last time, we might have watched it together, or I watched it anyway, that it is a certain movie up to a point. So this whole thing with Cyborg taking over the ship, and they're going to find God, and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as they get down to the planet, it turns into a different movie, mm-hmm. with a different plot, and different things that happen, and then it has this completely bad resolution. It, it's just, you know, I know we've read about how hard it was to get it made, and they mm-hmm. had to finish early, and there were script revisions coming every day, and all the rest of it, and it all shows, because it just looks like a movie from a blender. Yes. Yes. Very, very bad. And there's also a point on the rift tracks where they said something like, and there goes the last of the special effects budget. <laughs> and honest to God, that it was sure it. looked like it. You you could identify that was the point where the money ran out. Those styrofoam pillars toppling over are almost like styrofoam. <laughs> it just all looked pretty cheesy. It was, and you could tell where they had been reusing sets from TNG all over the place. Mm-hmm. Especially that one part when they're climbing up in the... Oh, climbing up the ladder. And then the guy said they meet Riker on the way <laughs> down. <laughs> that was very funny. That would have been just such a good joke like there sometimes was in the in mm-hmm. the old movies mm-hmm. where, I don't know, in the middle of Marx Brothers movie, Clark Gable or somebody yep. just walks through for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. But that was not to be. No, unfortunately not. So yeah. I think that's the last time I need to watch that movie yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Maybe not ever, but for a really long time. Yeah. I pretty much had my fill. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Of all the odd-numbered Trek movies, mm. it, it is one of the oddest numbered. You know, and so at the end of the Rift, actually, the credits are playing, yes. they're arguing over which is the worst Trek movie. That or the first one. <laughs> the one with the bald woman with the legs. <laughs> You know, though, I honestly think the first one is worse. You think so? Uh, now, see, I haven't Longer. Watched, I haven't watched And it. has less going on, and has even less characterization. That's true. I, I would really have to watch it again to say for sure, because I haven't seen it in so long. Mm-hmm. I am actually somewhat curious to see it with the restored or whatever other crap they put into it. It's just more the Trekna porn. Well, I don't know. I'd like to see that. Okay. Once, and then I'll never have to see it again. <laughs> I'll watch that over and over. Oh, over yeah, again. and I have two DVD <laughs> copies of it. <laughs> so, so th- that was, um, you know, thumbs up for Rift Tracks. Yes, that was good. I'm, I'm glad that worked out. Um, okay, let's take a break. Okay. Uh, we've got a few more things that we can talk about that um, are unrelated to the movie Star Trek V, fortunately. <laughs> so this will be, be a happier segment. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. We want to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. 
This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You found the best podcast in the universe. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so, we just watched... Well, the reason this came about is um, our, our listener buddy, Julia, wrote to us and said, I just heard show 69 in which you talked about the bad Shatner fan <laughs> vid. We remember that. The one with the Shatner imitator. Guy, yes. Uh-huh. Says, I also made a fan vid about Bill. I hope you'll like it better than the other one. And uh, so she sent us the link, and I watched it, and I just I thought it was really good. And so now we just watched yes. it together, and it it is so good. She, uh, the song is "Let Me Entertain You" by mm. Robbie Williams, mm-hmm. and she chose really good clips, really good clips that span the whole of Bill's career, and and professionally edited together. Yes, really, really well done. Really well yeah. done, and. and and fun, and just really a, an excellent tribute to him. Really good, really upbeat and energetic, and showing him being dramatic and funny, and some action stuff, and some kissing, some kissing, and a swallow, a swallow or two, which is really nice, lovely Kirklight. And it was from all stages of his career, so going all the way back to Brothers Karamazov mm-hmm. to um, Boston Legal, and everything in between. Yep, there's there's T.J. Hooker in there. There's you know White Comanche. There's the Priceline stuff. There's Impulse. There's um, Free Enterprise. Right. There's uh, the Esperanto movie. Yep. There's a um, uh, couple of the TV things that we the watched. Twilight Zone the Twilight stuff Zone stuff is in there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lots of Star Trek and lots of Star Trek. Anyway, good good work. We're going to put a yes. point to that because I think all the Shatner fans will enjoy a really good fan. Good fan vid. Good fan vid. Good fan vid. Yay. Yay! So what else is on the list? Uh, you were going to read Amanda's email. Okay. Do you have that? Yeah. Yay! This is from Amanda. Yay. And it, it's long, but I want to read it. <laughs> and then at the end, there's, there's something we can talk about. Um, the, the topic is, your podcast is complete BS. <laughs> Bill Shatner, yay, that is. Of course yay. it is. Says, hey, LT and JK, I love your show. I started listening a month or two ago. And I have been hooked. I started at the beginning and have made it to show 50 or so. Wow. I had to momentarily pause because I'm not completely caught up on my Boston legal, and I don't want to spoil the end of season two. I started watching about six months ago when I got Netflix, and it is so great to hear other people's opinion on it because I don't know anyone else who watches it, although I have tried. My goodness. This is going to be a long email, so hold on to your butts. Ready. I apologize, but I really want you guys to know how much I appreciate all your hard work. Okay. I love your vast knowledge of everything Shatner. (laughs) I have been a big fan of his and Star Trek since I was a kid. Like you two, I grew up watching the original series. My mom got a VCR in the mid-80s and taped all the episodes. Wow. Yay, Mom. So I have fond memories of her watching while ironing with us kids playing in the living room. She brought us to our first convention when I was about eight or so, oh and we goodness. saw we saw Walter Koenig, and I remember joking that I was going to ask him where the nuclear vessels were. <laughs> oh, can I 
just pause for one moment to yes. say that in the riff tracks, they mercilessly made fun of Walter and his B and W confusion. Oh, yes. It was great. It, it was really, really, was. really good. So that's definitely a highlight of that. Okay, so That's true. Uh, like the both of you, I had a time where I stopped watching and then picked it up again. The first time I got into it again was during high school. I rewatched the tapes my mom made and started watching The Next Generation. Like many others, high school wasn't a great time for me, so it was a great way to escape. I went to two more conventions at that time, too. The first, I saw Jonathan Frakes, and the second, all caps, William Shatner. Yay! That was awesome. <laughs> we paid extra to sit in the front row and to get an autograph. Star Trek has been a family tradition for us, which was really nice as kids to have something to relate to our parents about. We went to see all of the movies together. I think a lot of people are the same way, and that is why Star Trek means so much to them. Oh, that's wonderful. I just recently got back into Star Trek again now that TV Land shows classic Trek. My first Star Trek-related podcast I started listening to is called Make It So. It is enjoyable, but it is hosted by two guys, <laughs> and it is really nice to get a female perspective. They talk a lot about the technical side of the show, uh. when all I want to hear about is Captain Kirk's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so when I found you guys, I couldn't believe how lucky I was. Thanks for teaching me about EVEs, by the way. Uh, hey, course. she talks the talk. Back at the end of high school, I read a little fanfic, and I remember liking it, but recently I looked again, and it is hard to find good ones, so thanks for the good recommendations. And the bad ones, too. Those are hilarious. <laughs> your interviews at the convention with the two fanfic writers and your own perspective as writers are very interesting. Also, love the sex toy chat. Yay! We haven't done that in a while. We haven't. Hilarious. True. I listen to you guys at work with headphones, <laughs> and it is really hard trying not to crack up. I also listen at the gym, so people probably wonder why I'm grinning for an hour of exercise. I really love that you guys are active fans. I was so excited when you went to the Shatner weekend trip and various conventions. Thanks for sharing your experiences. I really appreciate your hard work. Oh, oh man, man we're slaving so nice. oh. in taking the time to do that, and you make us listeners feel like we were there too. Also, I love your commentaries from impulse to episodes. Impulse. <laughs> Oh, we got to remind everybody, Shatner Fest oh, is coming, coming up. Yeah, yeah right after Silicon. That's right, yeah. They are so fun to listen to. It brings back great memories and gives me something to look for on my next viewing. One question for you. <gasps> a question. A question. Uh-oh. I think you guys did a commentary on The Enemy Within. There's one thing I've always wondered, and you didn't cover. Mm-hmm. Where, did, <laughs> where did Evil Kirk get the makeup he uses <laughs> to cover up his scratches? He was in Rand's room, Uh she scratched him, some red shirt interrupts him, and then he runs away to a different room to apply it. Yep. I would assume it was his room, (laughs) because he just barges in there and knows exactly (laughs) where to get it. So, does Captain Kirk wear makeup? (laughs) Okay, I think I covered everything. Did I mention I love your podcast? Uh Good. I will quit blabbering now, and take care, you guys. I look forward to the next show. Well, Amanda, thank you for such a wonderful... That's amazing. ...glowing and... Uh Praising email, we we just love it. But yeah, let's talk about the makeup thing. Well, I think that is a, a perfectly is that the podcasting dog coming <laughs> back to see us? I can't believe he managed <laughs> to open the door. I I remember watching this and the very first time, not really thinking about it, and then later on going, yeah, that was really weird. Where did he get that makeup from? I agree with her. I think it's his quarters, and it's a giant. It's a big jar. It's like hot. A big. It's, a, it's a cauldron. It's huge. 
And, I mean, I would think that dabbing that kind of makeup on an open wound would be pretty fucking painful. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't put it on and go, ah! And it wouldn't heal that way either. It would get all infected and yeah. everything, which would yeah. be really gross. So who knows? I mean, maybe that's one of the things that is either issued to captains or that just Kirk, you know, because of all the women who are, you know. He keeps things in there, like, you know, a comb and an extra yeah, toothbrush. And some and hairspray and stuff. Yeah, so they can fix themselves up. Maybe. Or maybe it's just that, you know, he he um, has sex with all these women who are very uh, energetic lovers and he's constantly having to cover up the scratches on his face. And hey, his now and that's good. It's not really just like makeup. It's special scratch repair cover-up because he's probably got that slathered on a good portion of the time. On his back. On his back, his ass. His ass, his chest, his legs, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's my theory. I actually have thought about this. I didn't I just make this up right now. <laughs> I like that, that it's his special scratch yeah. scratch repair. So it is only him. It's not issued to yeah. captains in general. No. Yeah. He, he, he laid in a large supply. He had to go to a special um, dispensary, and he had to make it up special for him because Man. it's has to match his skin tone, but it also has to be like a healing agent, right? The way you put like antibacterial mm-hmm. lotion right. or something like that. So that it covers, but it also heals at the same time. Yeah. I'm thinking that's kind of an S&M thing. <laughs> and speaking of S&M, there really is a real S&M moment in Star Trek V near the beginning when uh, Cybok says to the incredibly ugly guy, let us explore your pain together. That's true. Yeah. That is very true. I agree. There's a, just a whole creepy element to this. I mean, the fact but I gotta say, I like Lawrence Luckenbill. Oh, he's good. As yeah. he is really good. Yeah. There's. I, I just getting. I, I know we said we weren't going to talk about this movie anymore, but <laughs> the um, what Cybok is doing. So he approaches these people. He doesn't put his hands on them the way other Vulcans we have seen do mm-hmm. when they're doing the mind melt. But he's essentially forcing them to open up their, their minds and their souls to him and show him their pain. Isn't that like raping someone? Well, I yeah. Mean, and remember, there's been a huge, huge discussion of, of the mind rape in Star Trek VI yeah. with Valeris. Yeah. And I'm... I don't see how this is that different, honestly. So, and, and I haven't really heard people commenting on the creepiness of this or mm-hmm. the fact that... You know, nobody in the movie comments on it either, and Kirk doesn't really say anything except he's not going to do it. He's just going to keep his pain to himself. So anyway, that always bugged me, (laughs) that thing. Anyway. Well, um, there's a lot to bug you in in uh, that movie. Yeah, there is is no shortage of of weird stuff. Um, So anyway, that's my theory about the makeup. I think that's really good. Yeah. Should I we like stick it. with that? Yeah. When we should write a story about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have to point out too. Again, we keep coming back to the the movie, but when God sizzles sizzles Kirk and throws him across the field or whatever, five minutes later, the hole in his shirt is still smoking. Every time they show him, the smoke is rising off the scorch marks. It's hilarious. It's like he was smoking and he just kind of put it out on his. You know, on his still, still smoking. Well, I think it was the charm and hot thing. <laughs> just coming right through. Yeah, I think normally his his uniform is like fireproof. Oh man, that was funny. Yeah, that there was there were like two separate shots, several minutes apart. Still uh-huh. the smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that lovely email. That was really awesome. Okay, so what's next? Um, I have history of KS written down here. <gasps> what is that about? Oh, okay. So, oh, can you talk for a minute? That's in a different account. Okay. Do, or is there something else on the list that's in this account? Uh, Captain Kirk Analytics. What was episode 
71 feedback. Uh, did I don't we know. already do I that? I think we did that already. Did we? I think Let's so. Let's see. Let me see what it is. So no, we did not. Oh, okay. My okay. Mistake. This is from Paulette. Oh, okay. Hello, ladies. Long time no talk. <laughs> but I'm still a huge fan of the cast. I also just watched Mary. I thought my hearing was going bad when Spock said, and I do want to go back. <laughs> I must have rewinded that part three times. Yep, he still said it. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you two also thought it was a strange line. A beaker full of death. <laughs> funny was that? Allow me to geek out and say, Spock would never have said that, as it was clearly an Erlenmeyer flask full of death. <laughs> that is awesome. That is just, just wonderful. <laughs> it's true. It wasn't a beaker. It wasn't. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Spock would never have said that. <laughs> he wouldn't. That is so, oh, so Oh, thank you. True. That is just wonderful. And, oh, I forgot to put this on the list, but I want to say it right now. Okay. Um, we got surprise in the mail from our friend Scott Adams. <gasps> yes! That's Scott Adams at the, at the Mego Museum. He sent us the two newest Star Trek Mego cards, which are the checklist cards that you use to confirm that you have all the other cards and the dolls and everything. And um, it has Kirk and Spock post on the front, much like a TV Guide episode, uh, a TV Guide cover. <laughs> TV Hold, Guide episode. Episode, right. Hold their little plastic phasers and it was just wonderful and he also sent us some astronaut cards as well so thank you scott for yes, sending those. those we love wonderful. those those are the best cards in the world okay the history of ks yeah who wrote this okay i'm getting to that first of all i was asked to contribute and i said no no way <laughs> no thanks no more hate mail no no i don't i don't need it um but uh Lyra Star worked uh-huh. on this. Do you remember her talking oh, yeah. to us yeah, about yeah, that yeah. at the um, convention? Yeah. Okay. It says, Legacy. It's now available. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of Kirk Spock slash fiction. Fans have written our own history. Legacy is complete in five volumes. Oh, Jesus, God. Okay. Um, let's see. Legacy is not your ordinary all-fiction Kirk Spock zine. The Legacy Project commemorates the 30th anniversary of chaos and traces our history with an emphasis on its earliest days. The editors tapped into the recollections of those who were truly there at the beginning of the whole Slash movement. Read not only brand new fiction and poetry, see not only new artwork, but also read lively non-fiction articles about the growth of KS zines, the history of KS art, the explosion of KS onto the internet, and especially read the fierce debate that erupted in the 70s over the whole concept of a media-based same-sex pairing. Flame Wars Online have nothing over the battle fought in the pages of the early letter zines and zine letter columns. Plus, read interviews with many of those who were there at the time of the beginning, including <laughs> talks with Gail F., author of The Cosmic uh-huh. Collected, including Desert Heat, Carol F., editor of Thrust, Leslie Fish, Diane Marchant, author of the first published KS story, Victoria Clark, editor of Gnome, Sin Ferguson, Karen Parnes, Darlin, I think it's supposed to be Darlene Duck, Davia Black, Georgia <laughs> Barnes, Kathleen Resch, Marnie oh. S., Nancy Kipax, Natasha Sultan, Noel Silva, Robin Hood, and that is her real name, uh-huh. Robin Hood, Fiona James, Susan Lovett, and Valerie Piacentini. 
There are more than 550 pages of brand new, never published, never posted fiction in the five volumes of Legacy. Authors were presented with more than 40 traditional plot lines that have been used over the years in the fandom. I wonder if there's Shuttlecraft crashes. Oh, there has to be. And asked to choose one. You might be surprised what they picked to write about. Authors include Debbie Cummins, Deanna Gray, Ann Elliott, Kiori, Isabel, Jasmere, Kathy Stannis, Kathleen Resch, Carolyn Spencer, Anna S. Greener, Davia Black, Elise Madrid, Robin Hood, Degina, A.T. Bush, Patricia Rowe, Bethany Hawk, and Allison Reed. Okay. Uh, the pricing for Legacy. The more you buy at the same time, the more you can save on postage. Each zine is $22 plus postage. Wow. So to get the whole collection is over a hundred bucks. My goodness. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Wow. That's pretty ambitious. It is, and I know they've worked on it um, for a number of years, at least two, and I think more than that. Wow. And uh, so you can get it from uh, Beyond Dreams Press. Mm-hmm. Do they have a web page for any of this? Well, it says right now, until the Beyond Dreams Press website can be updated, this mm-hmm. might take a while, please order Legacy via pay- PayPal. So, um, you know, if anybody reads this stuff and wants to, to tell us about it, I'm not about to spend 100 bucks for it. <laughs> but, um, you know, we know some of the people, yeah, who... who um, yeah, absolutely. Well, Kathy Rush is in there. That's yep. wonderful. Yep. Yeah, and Lyra Starr was the associate editor for the Internet. Kathy Rush was the associate editor for Interviews. Some of the other people I know names, but don't don't really know them. Yeah. So the whole history of chaos is uh, is very uh, very expensive. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and maybe we'll find out about it someday. Because uh, like you, I was not planning on spending that much money. But maybe somebody out there is planning on spending that much money and right. can give us a report on that. I think mm-hmm. that would be awesome. That's right. Yeah. It'll yeah. also be. It would also to me be very interesting interesting to read uh, the part about the, the years when we were involved yes. in chaos to yes. see uh, if you know yeah what you know, that matches our memory memories of it. Um, I was gonna say I, I hate to say it but I will say it. I wonder how long before that stuff ends up being scanned and available to everybody on the internet anyway. Yep. As everything does. It does in indeed. In short order. It does indeed. Well, that is very interesting. Uh, five volumes. I had no idea it was going to be that long. No, me neither. Um, the interesting thing about it is every time there is an analysis written of fanfic or slash or anything, it is almost always written it, from an academic standpoint and people yep. outside the community. Mm-hmm. And the community then always says, well, they got it wrong. And blah, blah, blah. So this should be interesting because I'm sure the community will still get its panties in an uproar about, you got it wrong because I was there and I remember it differently. Yep, but, I'm um, sure. I think it would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd, I'd like to see some of that. Well, yep. that's, that's very cool. Maybe they'll send us a review copy. Oh, yeah, right. Because... <laughs> People beyond dreams just love me so well. They might like me. <laughs> I could ask. We're one in the same. Oh, okay, you can ask. All right, maybe you I will. You can ask. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I'll put it on the list. Of and because our listeners just love KS slash so <laughs> much, someone sent us, and I, I'm I think it might have been Cap and Ho, a link to a KS 
drawing that we had seen before, and he said, this is what it takes to make a Klingon vomit. (laughs) There's a geek hierarchy again. (laughs) It's true. That's one of the loops. Yes. Okay. Uh, The last thing on the list is the thing that you've got open right there. Okay, so am I going to read this, or are you? I I think you should read this. Okay. This, um, our good friend Jonk sent sent us this. And it said, Geek Alert. Yes. This is from the website called The Inside Track. Web analytics news and know-how for our friends and customers. So, the article is called Analytics According to Captain Kirk. And this is by Matt Bailey. It's a great title. It, and it's a great article. Now, should I read all of this? It's oh, really long. No, I, I think you should just skip to the Captain Kirk part. And, and okay, let me read the beginning. The so, so yeah. uh, the beginning so they understand what the mm-hmm. setup is. In my seminars, I enjoy teaching analytics because the fun is in finding effective and memorable methods to help people understand the concepts. One of my favorites is an analysis of the redshirt phenomenon in Star Trek. What? You don't know about the redshirt phenomenon? Well, as any diehard Trekkie knows, if you are wearing a red shirt and beam to the planet with Captain Kirk, you're going to die. That's the common thinking. But I decided to put this to the test. Mm -hmm. After all, I hadn't seen any definitive proof. It's just what people said. So let's set our phasers on stun and see what we find. So he goes through the whole thing about they have 430 um, crew people. Mm-hmm. And he breaks it down to how many are yellow shirt, blue shirt, and engineering smock. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of them died? Yeah. Yeah. So um, four engineering smock people died. And uh, red shirt crews, crew people were, of course, the most. So then he goes on, and what causes them to die? Onboard incident, beaming down to the planet. Um, fights, what was the rate of redshirt casualties, fatalities, what factors could increase and decrease Mm -hmm. the survival of redshirted crewmen. Um, And here it goes. Besides not beaming down, another factor that showed to increase the survival rate of the redshirts was the nature of the relationship between the alien life and Captain Kirk. (laughs) When Captain Kirk meets an alien woman and makes contact, the survival rate of the redshirted crewman increases by 84%. In fact, out of Captain Kirk's 24 relationships, there are only three instances of redshirt vaporization. The caveat to this is when Captain Kirk not only meets the local alien women, but also starts a fight among (laughs) alien locals. The combination of these events has led to the elimination of four crew members, three of them red shirts. So here's the the conclusion. Um, We can reliably improve the survivability of the red-shirted crewmen by only exploring peaceful, (laughs) female-only planets, android and alien females included. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. I totally agree, and I love... The fact that um, he's got it in PowerPoint down at the bottom. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to do a, something good about statistics and analytics, you know, you have to put it in PowerPoint, and this is a great way to illustrate the point. <laughs> it says there's something wrong with a typical method of presenting data. For starters, this presentation could bore even the most hardened Starfleet manager, mm-hmm. parens, CEO. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it says, uh, as the data shows, Captain Kirk making contact with alien women has an impact on the crew's survival. The red shirt death rate is higher when a fight breaks out than when Kirk meets a woman and a fight breaks out. Mm-hmm. Yet the analysis shows that meeting Kirk meeting women only happens in 30% of the missions. Mm-hmm. So I just think that, that this is really useful information. I think it's great information. It's a great use of Star Trek. And, and I think that the author has been careful not to imply causation. 
Right. It, it's not because the captain is meeting and having relationships with women that they do. It just happens to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's just an association and not a cause of, of that. You know what else this, this reminds me of is, oh, gee, that, that book we both read with the... Um, Boarding the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. And remember, there was the one that was written by a teacher, I believe, of physics. Mm -hmm. It was really an interesting article. And he was saying how he uses Star Trek in his teaching. And, you know, not in this stupid, geeky way. Remember when Captain Kirk, blah, blah, blah. But to take something students are familiar with and then Mm -hmm. apply these conceptual things that you maybe are trying to teach. And I just think... This is great. It's perfect. It's a perfect illustration, and it takes things that are funny but yet relevant at the same time. And and the, the, illustrates the the way you can apply analytics mm-hmm. to these these things. Here's a chart: crew member deaths by shirt color by episode in relation to fights and Captain Kirk's affairs. Mm-hmm. Click for full size version. Ooh, let's see that. There you go. I love the picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> And he's smiling. Look yeah. at this. On, on the, it's a little, um, it's a graph, and yes. his head is at the top of uh, certain episodes when it goes over a certain point. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. And then there's the colors of the, shirts the of shirts. people who die, and, yep. and the ones where I guess he has a relationship uh-huh. is, is the ones where Kirk is, is smiling. Smiling, of course, of course, because he cannot believe how awesome <laughs> he is. Remember, when you have to account for lost crew members, your report needs to account for the how, the why, and the ability to draw specific conclusions as to how to affect the trends in the future. Depending upon your approach, you could either doom the project and future redshirted crewmen, or you could be visiting planets full of peaceful alien (laughs) women. (laughs) We're peaceful. We're very peaceful. We're peaceful. Come come to our planet. So, good work, Matt Bailey. It's a wonderful thing. It is. It is really good. Good use of science. Much much better than science officer's stuff. <laughs> this is boring science officer. <laughs> you know who would really appreciate this? Stevens. Stevens in account. Absolutely. In this fact, is, maybe Matt Bailey is, is, is Stevens' um, online true. handle. This is the sort of thing that Stevens would write and send to Kirk. It's like, could you please review this? I need you to review this. And Kirk would never look at it. And, and he wants him to forward it to Starfleet. Exactly. And every week when they have their staff meeting, he says, Sir, have you looked at the report that I sent you? I really think it would make a difference in the crew member. And Kirk says, I'm sorry. It just it fell off my schedule this week. I promise I'll get to it before next week. And it's the same every single week. Right. Poor Stevens. Poor Stevens. <laughs> so he keeps cutting it down, and he keeps coming up with better and better graphs. And including the one with the smiling, happy Kirk. <laughs> Hoping that will cause Kirk to actually read the report. <laughs> You're so right. Poor Steven. He's probably got the whole Boy Scout troop doing a big paste-up of this, you know. Every week. And, and you know what's even worse is that Spock has read it. And knows that it's good. And yeah. he keeps saying it to Kirk, too. Sir, you really should read that report. I don't have time for this. <laughs> and they keep handing him yes. the spanking list that at the bottom sign that you've read Stevens' report. And he just signs. He never reads those things. Well done, Stevens. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. Put Stevens on the spanking list. Tell him I read the report. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. Well done. Well, draw a happy face. Good use of graphics. Uh, 
Very, very funny. You know, that's like a whole story in and of itself. As if the enterprise, as if it was run like you know a large company, the kinds that you and I have worked for. All well, the time. do you remember I did the uh, the Kirk's box story written in uh, project management? Yes, that was very Language, good. I like that. Very buzzwords. Much. Yeah, that was a fun one, and I, it scared people. A lot of people <laughs> were scared of that story because you know it just sounded too much like. Bullshit oh. they heard at work. Oh, all the time. All and, the you know, time. I used to teach that bullshit, so I really, really knew how to how to throw those terms around, you know. But I'd like to do that, just sort of a typical day on the Enterprise, as if it really was, you know, one of the places. Somebody wrote the funniest, funniest story that was all emails of, of going around the Enterprise. Really? And, and, and going back and forth, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to send that to you. And, oh, my God, it was really funny. And for some reason, I'm thinking Lyra Star. Really? Might I'll have to investigate this because we'll it was really funny. Out. And it, it did have sort of that corporate <laughs> corporate thing going. <laughs> I would like to read that. Yeah. That would be good. I can also imagine that um, at times, even though Kirk is probably pretty good as the CEO figure, like he's pretty responsible, mm-hmm. when, it, when it gets busy... He just doesn't do things. Oh no! So yeah. people, so the poor crew members who are waiting for their reviews. <laughs> you know, sir, I really, you need to sit down with me and give me my review, or else I can't get promoted. You know, I've been at Ensign for three years, <laughs> and I really want to be a lieutenant. Please give me. The, oh, I'll do it next week. I'm sorry, I just I forgot, <laughs> sir. I'm still making nineteen dollars a week. <laughs> So that I can get my title. I want to. I want to see the scene where he explains to a crew member why he can't be promoted because he's too valuable where he is. That's right. Uh huh. Something Kirk should relate to later when they promote him into something he hates. Exactly. When he should have stayed see? where he was too valuable. That's karma for you. Yeah, That's it comes around. Comes around exactly. That's how Christine got promoted to where she is. You know. <laughs> Oh, Christine. Uh, she should have stayed in the lab, washing out those beakers full of death. But no, they promoted her to sick bay. <laughs> Where she was distributing <laughs> beakers full of death. Dropping shit all the time. <laughs> and fainting while, fainting while dropping exactly. metal trays. <laughs> Useless. Well, the official podcast dog has fallen sound asleep here. Look at this. We're talking. I'm petting him, and he is sound asleep. I think it means it's time to go. I think so. Uh, Well, this has been great. I'm so glad we did this. So um, we'll be back, hopefully, with an episode next time. I'm hoping we can make that happen. Or, hell, maybe by the time we get around to doing this again, Boston Legal will be back on. Oh, that's true. And, oh, let's talk about that for a second. It is coming. Its it's season premiere is going to be a two-hour episode. And it's, oh, I'm not sure the date, sometime in mid-September or something okay. like that. But um, So you're going to want to be all gung-ho Definitely. for that to see what kind of merry mix-ups uh, <laughs> Denny and Alan are going to get into this season. Yeah, well, that's going to be exciting. We'll be back in the Boston Legal Groove. Don't you worry about that. <sighs> all right. Say goodnight, Jack. Oh, he can't even talk. No, he's Aww. sound. Okay. We'll just say it very softly to him. 